0: This week's episode, Hexwives finally hits its stride. Marvel drops some epic comic plans on us, and we rant about comic stories that should have been April Fool's jokes from the start. It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover B! Hope
1: everybody is having a good day. Yes. Or evening. Yes. Or afternoon. Sure. Or day.
0: You already said that. <clears throat> move on. You loop. Keep going. Just no, now you're going. stuck in it. No, just move back. Yep.
1: <laughs> so, comics. What comics did you read this week that stood out to you?
0: Sure thing. I have a couple number ones. Um, New comic for the Wonder Comics thing, the Bendis thing, the DC Bendis thing,
1: (laughs) the Bendis thing,
0: the let's see how zany and reminiscent of an EDM song we can make comics thing. That's, that's (laughs) kind of what I'm dealing with. Um,
1: LSD, the imprint. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
0: Dial H for hero came out. Number one. Mm -hmm. Um, I was super in it in the beginning and then it went, uh, God, I feel like this is how I always describe these books. But it went bananas. Okay. Um, just like...
1: I don't... It's kind of a weird concept for a hero anyway. So...
0: Yeah, so generally the plot is this guy is living his life. Not having a great time of it, but he's, mm-hmm. he's doing his thing. And then he goes too ballsy, doing a trick, doing a stunt... And all of a sudden there's a phone, and now he's a hero (laughs) with a really odd uh, gimmick. And it's very strange. And it's like... I
1: I think I saw an episode of Jackass like that, but the phone ended up somewhere else.
0: (laughs) I... The... I feel like every time I read a comic from the Wonder Comics line, it's like the comic is screaming at me at as loud a volume as it can. Mm -hmm. I don't dislike all of them. I think they're really interesting and I I think there's a lot of fun in them. But I just, I almost feel overwhelmed after I finish an issue. It's like,
1: the, it's like the comic book version of like an episode of Ren and Stampy.
0: Yeah. Maybe like even like, like.
1: Loud absurdity for like 20 minutes. I think
0: it's even worse than that. It's What I think <laughs> is happening here is Bendis is trying to quote unquote reach the kids. <laughs> and so his concept. What's up fellow kids. So his concept is he watched like six hours of Cartoon Network. On, and it was playing some of those weird new shows like the bubblegum one where everyone's neon colored and just yells at each other mm-hmm. a lot. And like the regular show where they mm-hmm. just yell at each other a lot. There's one
1: with bears too.
0: Yeah, but the the general premise is loud colors yelling at each other a lot. And that's really what I'm feeling like most of these these Wonder Comics are. I, yeah. So I'm sure they're really taking off with the, the children's, which is great. With
1: the youths.
0: With yeah, with them kids, he's reaching them kids. But <laughs> these, I, these kids. But I, I just kind of feel like I need a nap after uh-huh. I read one. I'm still trying though.
1: Fair enough. I'm You're still, there. Int- I'm interested. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm intrigued. It makes me feel. Well, I mean,
1: he's not writing. He yeah. didn't write this one. No, you know, but he's, he's kind of
0: coordinating. He's them.
1: Uh, curating. Yeah. The Wonder Comics. But thing. I
0: feel like I don't know. I, I either. And feel he's writing
1: like, Naomi, but he's not writing. It either makes nails. me feel
0: really young. Or really old. Mm -hmm. And I haven't decided which. Fair enough. Other book I read this week was Kelly Thompson's new foray into Archie comics with Sabrina the Teenage Witch number one. Um, Which I'm enjoying exclusively because now it feels like uh, I'm getting to read the second part to Nancy Drew but this time with magic. I love Kelly.
1: Mm-hmm. She's
0: wonderful. Kelly Thompson is wonderful.
1: Really, you've never mentioned her before.
0: But um, I'm putting a butt in there.
1: But... But big old butt.
0: A lot of it has the same voice. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's yeah, all I mean, people very, get their tone and yes, and her tone to is very. We'll call it consistent.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so this one. Has almost the exact same appeal as Nancy Drew, which I really enjoyed the Nancy Drew run. Don't get me wrong, I'm hoping for more. I don't know when the hell she'd have time to do more, considering she's on everything now. I don't know how she sleeps. Yeah, right. Like, I I don't know how she's a functional human at this point. She must have, like, a coffee IV or something. Yeah. But, um... It's good. I mean, it was enjoyable. It's cute. It's young. It's actually a little bit younger for her feeling than it, uh-huh. than normal. She's usually more millennial voice, but this feels very, very young.
1: Fair. Um. Yeah.
0: But I'm, I'm, I'm cool to see where it goes. She's got, like, Wendigos and stuff happening, so that's neat.
1: Wendigo. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Wendigo. That, um, so in the X-Men arcade game.
0: <laughs> oh, Lord.
1: Let's totally just deviate uh the
0: that's me that's me
1: was it flipper no was I'm, summoning the no, dolphins
0: I'm, tw- I'm, I'm steering the wheel it's and sounded screeching. it
1: sounded like a dolphin
0: it's not a dolphin it's tire screeching i just took us that's off more like, cyber. yeah
1: that's yeah, more like ee, you know, no like, no yours was like
0: ee, ee, ee. no it was not it was a screech anyway it's not my fault i drive s- a baby car just
1: do it like the mumble rappers do and just be like skirt skirt I don't think that's how (laughs) it works (laughs) and then you sound cool for the kids Uh, clearly I relate to them so well we deviated from my deviation (laughs) so the voice acting was great Um, because like Magneto would shout things at you like X chicken and stuff but my favorite part was (laughs) like every five seconds when you're fighting Wendigo he would just shout WENDIGO it was great (laughs) It was wonderful. It was good shit. That is, that is that good shit. Video games. AAA games ain't got shit on a ch- bouncing Wendigo shouting his name at you. It's good oh, stuff.
0: good times.
1: Anyway, as far as my comics for Oh, the you week, read stuff? I did, yeah. Good to know. I, I am not just here to totally divert <laughs> the conversation to useless crap. Um, nothing really, like... Desperately, it was a big week, but nothing really stood out to me. It's another one of those weeks where it's a lot of, like, transitionary stuff, like, wrapping up things and moving on. Right. Amazing Spider-Man has its whole, like, hunted thing going on, which I guess has been pretty cool, but I'll be real with you guys. I'm few and far between going to pick up an Amazing Spider-Man story. I just, I was reading Spider-Man, like, back in the day, and, like, I read through Ultimate Spider-Man and stuff, and it's just, I always feel kind of disappointed in all the events so i've really pulled away from amazing spider-man i think this run has a lot of promise if they play off there's this character with like bugs that like controls bugs or like produces bugs that's weird that they introduced in like issue one that i guess is popping up now I was thumbing through an issue and saw him in that issue so i'll be interested to see what they do with that but the whole craven thing I just feel like Spider-Man, nine times out of ten, they're just trying to rehash. Like, they had, like, clone stuff last year and stuff. Anyway.
0: So, well, and side note, I have... Reading Spider-Man in and of itself, any and all of them... Are you them about to go on a
1: Spider-Verse rant? No,
0: I'm okay. not, actually. I got this. Okay. But it's its its own, like, full-time job trying to keep up with all of that. Mm-hmm. But my problem is that it's just big loops of the same type. Like you yeah. said, it's all, <clears> like... when. You know, if you side veer and go down the Squirrel Girl lane, Craven's a good guy now and actually is protecting endangered well, species. Yeah, and so I, like I don't know why you got to make him a bad guy. Well,
1: again. this has something to do with like Craven clones. Um, I don't oh, know. Oh lord. Uh, anyway, I've heard the Hunted event is pretty tense and is okay. I haven't heard like great things. If you're into Spider-Man stuff, might be worth checking out. There are only like 2 issues in the Hunted. Um, Otherwise, I read the one kind of regular issue that stood out to me was Hex Wives number six. Um, Hex Wives, similar to one you're reading that we're still kind of jury still out on, uh, The Female Furies. Yes. Is this book where the whole premise is kind of founded around this really like anti-feminist, anti-woman empowerment world. Right. And it's for a reason. There's this coven of witches and this like cult or religious group called the Architects they have been fighting these witches for like millennia apparently and at some point they decided to take these six i think six powerful witches and put them in this like simulated world that's like the 1950s and they're all housewives and they their husbands are all architects who like keep an eye on them and they like keep them isolated and keep them busy doing like mundane housework and shit and they, like, make sure that they don't do anything where they might draw blood from themselves or, like, an animal because that will trigger their magic. And they're, like, constantly wiping their memory and stuff. Anyway, it, issue number six was a huge payoff issue and it was hella worth it. Really? It started, it started in issue number five. They, like, started to figure out what was going on and attacking, like, rising up. Uh, But issue six was just wonderful. And it's all really tongue-in-cheek, which is nice. It's not, like, overly, like, preachy and political. Like, I've said in the past, like, even if I'm in support of the message you're trying to give, if you get too political and too preachy, it can, like, eh, you know, it can scare people away. But this one's fun, and, you know, it puts these sort of concepts out there and lets you obviously see what's right and wrong and it's obviously trying to make a point about like women empowerment stuff like that's definitely there but it's not overly like in your face like right. this is what's happening but it, it was a cool transitionary issue like the next coming i don't know how long they intend to go with it but the next coming issues are going to be pretty cool um so i'm excited to see where that goes so if you haven't been reading Hexwives, it's definitely worth looking it's a vertigo title from dc um really worth picking up i believe it's mirka andolfo is doing the art and i want to say it's been blacker doing the writing i don't 100 remember though um <laughs> i will look it up while i rant about the second thing that i want to talk about which is on everybody's Mine today, Batman has officially made it to the Thousand Comic Club. Yeah, Ben Blacker. It, it is Ben Blacker. Chris knows his <laughs> stuff. Um, Detective Comics has reached its 1,000th issue. So woo
0: Happy Batman Detective Day.
1: Happy 1,000, Batman. I hope you survive the experience. Um, It was a cool issue. I read the Action 1,000 when it came out. These, like, big... Like, transitionary issues, like these big number issues, they always tend to be very, like, kind of, you know, they they celebrate the character. Um, and this one did that, It but it, you know, they do it with, like, a bunch of little stories. Um, but it was cool. There was particularly one in the middle that was about, towards the end, I think it was actually towards the end, that was about his... Like relationship with the Bat Family, and it was like oh. all the Bat Family hanging out. So you got to see all their different personalities and kind of see where they're at, and just all of them interacting. And it was just Aww, fun having them great. all there. Like Batgirl and Batwoman are having an argument about why she gets to be Batwoman and I have to be Batgirl. And <laughs> that's Damien's awesome. generally just shitting on everybody, and like
0: that sounds about right.
1: Tim and I forget her real name, but. You know, Tim kind of just doesn't want to be there. Huntress and Orphan kind of just don't want to be there and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool. Um, and it, it was sweet. Like, it had its sweet moments, but it had its, like, cool story moments. And it was a good book. So in sometimes I avoid these, like, milestone issues with, like, right. all these extra pages because the stories in it are just so fluffy that it's like, oh, cool. I could have read this on, like, Reddit. You know, what yeah. I mean? this, this could have been a fan comic. Why'd I pay 10 bucks for this? Also, this one, it's all over the news, so I'm not worried about spoilers. It gives us the first introduction of Arkham Knight in the official DC continuity. Oh. So the Arkham Knight from the game of the same name um, created by Rocksteady, which wow. in that game turned out to be a different, like a character we already know, like right. a character who's already in the comics. But in this game, or in the comics, it's a new character. Oh, that's cool. And they gave him a really cool motivation. I guess he looks at it like, he's looking at Batman do his thing. Like beat up Jokers and beat up Riddlers and punch crooks and stuff like that. And he's like, wow, look at this guy who puts on this like facade of justice and then beats up the mentally ill. And beats up people who are just too desperate and just need help and like look at him respond to everything with violence instead of like these other so he's got this very chivalrous noble kind of reason that he hates Batman and I think that's really dope like I don't I can't think they may have and y'all can correct me if you want um, but I can't think of a character who's approached a superhero that way like anywhere where it's like Yeah, you know, the Joker's terrible and stuff, but have you ever thought about getting him help? You just punch him and you put him in the worst asylum in the world. You know what I mean? You don't, like... You could throw him in the friggin' um, watchtower or the Hall of Justice and hire, like, the best psychologists ever to come in and treat him, but you throw him in this, like, rickety-ass asylum yeah all the time after yeah. you've punched the shit out of him <laughs> and stuff like that so it's it's a really cool setup so that's gonna be fun to see where it goes in 1001 and 1002 i might actually start picking up detective i haven't been picking it up just because it's a lot um but who knows that's Could pretty be cool. cool so detective 1000 there's a ton of covers there's literally like over 80 individual covers including all the exclusives and stuff that people have done for it Print run is probably more than likely over a million. That's like insane. more than likely over a million. Someone was telling me that I think Alex Ross mentioned or took pictures of like multiple palettes of these that he got for his exclusive. So that's easily like thousands of books. Oh my so God. yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna that's be nuts. in the millions. We so it shouldn't to... be shouldn't be hard to get. I personally got the 1940s cover by my boy, Bruce Timm. Bruce Tim, Tim. Um, the Because Steve,
0: Bruce Tim is awesome.
1: The Steve Rude uh, 1930s cover is also very good. And the um, uh, Jock, I think, did the 2000s cover. Capullo did the 2010s. And then there's also covers by Frank Miller, uh, Steranko, Tim Sale um the frank miller
0: one is weird frank miller
1: my challenge to you listener is to pick up a copy you don't have to buy it i actually wouldn't recommend it uh pick up a copy of the frank miller cover and just stare at it and watch it get worse as you stare at it i love frank miller like he's a legend and i love the books that he does and in the actual panels even though it's hideous his art works you know what i mean like it it works. I can overlook it. I don't mind ugly art if it's kind of like, if the grit fits the tone, you know yes. what I mean? But when he does covers, it's just, it, it literally, as you look at it, it's like one of those like magic eye things where you're trying to find like, you're trying to find the picture in the like swirls yeah. of like LSD In dreams. the pattern. And, but it's like, as you look at it, just this ugly thing builds and builds and builds. <laughs> it's like, it literally rots as you look at it. Um, anyway. Detective Comics, 1,000. Pick it up. Definitely worth a read, Batman fan or not. Nice. And now, your Cover be News with your host, Chris T.
0: News time!
1: It be time for news.
0: For news. There's... Quite a bit of news this week.
1: True, there's some.
0: So, some movie news right off the bat. Yeah. Um, they have are in talks. It's apparently not 100% official yet. It might be by the time this airs, but they are in talks. Marvel is for the lead front runner of the Eternals to be Angelina Jolie.
1: Oh, okay. Neat.
0: Not a name I thought I'd ever see associated with a Marvel movie. Yeah, true. That's, you know, there's just, there's like two sides of Hollywood in my head. I don't know how real this is or if my brain just makes stuff up. But I see Hollywood split into like, fun Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And then the like, we got really popular in the 90s. And so we kind of just keep to ourselves and don't want to be as fun Hollywood. Yeah. And I see Angelina Jolie as part of the, like, less fun Hollywood. Maybe
1: she's trying to get into that fun Hollywood, though. There's you know a I lot mean? of
0: fun in the fun Hollywood.
1: <laughs> Lots of fun. So Lots if you're fun. down
0: to be fun, we're we're willing to have you, Angie.
1: Yeah. But you
0: gotta be fun. That's cool. Because if you're not fun, then you end up like Gwyneth Paltrow, who just, like, doesn't hang out. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's true. Like, or Natalie Portman, who doesn't hang out. She could, she just doesn't.
1: She doesn't.
0: Uncool. She, does
1: she could lay down some fat freestyles. Yeah, right? Be um, fun. <laughs> speaking of movie news, uh, the this one's kind of flying under the radar for a lot of people because it's not like, people love it, but it's not like a huge known title. Mouse Guard from Boom is getting a movie. Oh, cool. Uh. I guess it has been for a while. I didn't, I've didn't. i never really checked in on many updates again. It's kind of like a one of the smaller background things created by David Peterson back in the day. Um, but they just, I guess they're in final talks to get Idris Elba to oh, star snap. in a movie. He's going to be playing, and I'm going to mess up the name, but whatever, it's reading. Uh, <laughs> way who is described as an obi-wan kenobi like figure who was once a legendary champion and now thought long gone so kind of a wise old sage apparently andy zerkus is also in this movie as the villain and uh let's see thomas brody sangster is playing liam one of the guard's newest and youngest members who will be called upon to prove his bravery so that'll be fun fun live action mouse guard movie for those who don't know mouse guard Takes place in like a medieval time and focuses on a cadre of mice who are tasked with saving the kingdom, and they go around and do like mouse knight stuff. And That's it's adorable. adorable. Yeah, it's great. That is. Adorable. I love Mouse Guard. Um, I didn't like I said I, I heard a long time ago that it was getting picked up. I don't remember when exactly, but I haven't really been keeping up with notes on it, but. That's cool that they're getting some pretty big names on it. so yeah. it's gonna have a decent budget at least, which will be nice.
0: Fresh hot news off the press relating Ooh. to comics becoming Sweet. movies. Legendary That's just acquired the, the rights to Bitterroot.
1: It's the news on the on the grill. It's fresh and hot. Just flip it. Did
0: you hear what I said? Wanna
1: want a short stack or a big stack of news? Short stacks three news. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I guess we got a big stack am I, then. Am I taking
1: this bit too far? <laughs> Somebody stop me. Um, I yes, tried. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I heard about that, and that is freaking exciting.
0: Yeah, man, that was fast. Yeah, that was that really was fast. real fast. Now it was just acquired, so it doesn't mean that it's actually gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just, just
0: means that they're locking that ish down.
1: Especially, especially companies like Legendary, they just kind of. Uh, like buy up yeah they buy up rights and just wait um and i i think like last episode or the episode before i was talking about how Bitterroot kind of tonally took a downshift it still kind of did there was another like it's a good read if you like like monster hunter type stuff it's good and the art's fun and like the aesthetic is fun like 1920s harlem but like i i feel like it had a different tone in the first two issues than it does now where it's just like a bunch of, literally like the past three issues have just been a bunch of like, your standard monster fighting. Like there hasn't been a lot of other stuff going on. Not
0: a whole lot of commentary. Yeah. Going
1: on. Well, it's not even just the commentary. It's just there's nothing Anything. really to set it apart. That's kind of. Aside exciting. from the aesthetic, they set up all this stuff about like this cool like they use this type of root. That's why it's called bitter root. They use this, like, type of root, and that's what helps them fight the Jinnu, which are the, like, demons that possess people who feel hate and stuff. Right. And then there's this one guy who's, like, super powerful because he doesn't, not only feels hate, but he feels, like, sorrow and pain and stuff like that, huh. and he's fueled by that. But, like, none of that really plays into anything anymore. They're just uh-huh. like, that guy's powerful. Let's fight him. Yay, we won. Let's fight these monsters. Woo, we won. Oh, no, those monsters are winning. Let's fight them. Oh, we won. And it's like... None of the really, like... None of the, like, cool alchemy stuff really plays in. None of the cool, like, magic stuff has really come up much. It's just been really shallow. Yeah, like, one character got sucked into, like, a portal to the other side, which is where all the Jinnu come from. And now he's back, and he's older. But, like, maybe we'll get that in the next issue. Maybe it'll fall back onto what happened to him there. But it was in the same issue. It was, like... Well, it was at the end of the previous issue... He gets sucked into the portal. And at the end of this issue, he's back.
0: That and was fast. And it's like, fast. whoa, that
1: was freaking quick. Yeah. And we don't see him like really exist on the other side and stuff huh. like that. So it, it, I just feel like they're moving too fast. Like, if if I could give constructive criticism to the creators, I enjoy the book. The art's great. The premise is great. The characters are fun. Like, I love the big guy who has, like, an insane vocabulary. I love him. Um, the chick who's really like all about like getting in the fight is a total badass like they're really good characters and then they have like a blade type guy who's awesome so it's really good ca- you got a lot of good but you're moving so fast yeah. like really fast and I don't know if it's that they just didn't pre-plan a lot of the like interior stuff of the story or if it's that they were worried about getting cancelled but like it's moving really fast to the point where it's just, like I said, it's just another monster fighter thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could pick up, like, any monster Fighter superhero book or, like, any other monster book and just be, like, the same thing, you know? it's kind of bummer. But I'm excited to, for it to get a movie because, like I said, the aesthetic plays really well. The characters are really cool. So seeing them on the big screen will be dope. So, we can't do the news segment without talking about all the bombs that Marvel dropped at their C2E2 panel. Woof. Uh, It was hefty. I mean, it wasn't, like, a lot in quantity, but in quality, it's pretty badass. Um, So, they really just talked about, among, I'm sure, other things in the panel, like smaller things, they talked about a lot of release schedule stuff. So, they've got War of the Realms coming up literally next week. And the million titles. I don't know if you've seen the million titles that are coming with that. I, At some point, if we can get to a point where it's worth doing, I'll do kind of what I did with Age of X-Men, where I'm like, these are the ones worth picking up. So well, well, and see. I'm going to be
0: reading a lot of these because I've, I've been one of those few people that's been reading Thor so long mm-hmm. that I feel like I've seen War of the Realms coming for much longer than the average Marvel reader.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm like... Let's do this already. (laughs) So
1: Jason Aaron and Al Ewing are going to be doing a Valkyrie title um, that takes place after the events of War of the Realms.
0: Hell yeah.
1: That's going to be cool. Valkyrie's kind of a hot ticket right now. I think it'd be neat if they merge main continuity Valkyrie with Ragnarok continuity Valkyrie and either have those two working together and interacting in some way or just like Give us a new Valkyrie that is essentially Ragnarok and Valkyrie in the main continuity. So
0: technically, Ragnarok uh, Valkyrie has been introduced because yeah, she was she's in, in exile. That's what I'm
1: saying. Is she's in yeah. exile, so she's already been in the comics. Right. I'm just saying I would like to take that one and have it in the main continuity in some degree. Yeah. So either have a new character get Valkyrie powers or become the new Valkyrie and be that Ragnarok Valkyrie, right? Or have regular Valkyrie and Ragnarok Valkyrie like hitting it up that could being be really cool. being like buddy cops um <laughs> Jonathan Hickman some new writer no one's ever heard of um <laughs> is back that was a at, joke by the way yeah entirely it's Jonathan freaking Hickman is Jon- Jonathan Frickman um <laughs> <laughs> i'm so stupid is back at the house of Marvel Mouse and he <laughs> is doing two X Men titles. Um, one titled House of X and one titled Powers of X. So if you've been reading Marvel Comics over the past month, you've probably seen at some point a blank white page that either says some nonsense about um, this is off the cuff, so this isn't the exact quote, but uh, something about like evolution. And two species come head-to-head, and you either adapt or conquer or some sort yeah. of crap. Obviously, two species or, like, two groups come in head-to-head, and they either have to, like, overcome each other or, like, defeat the other or whatever it might be. Um, or you see a blank white page that just says Hickman. Wonder what that one's about. Anyway, um... <laughs> He's going to be doing House of X and Powers of X, two X-Men titles. There's a cover, I don't know if it's it's a promotional illustration, I hope it's a connecting cover, like I hope they do it as a connecting cover, by Mark Brooks that is one of the most beautiful X-Men pieces of art I have ever seen. If we haven't shared it on our Facebook, we will. I'm going to make sure of it because it's gorgeous and it's got like everyone standing there looks like charles is going to be officially back he's already popped up back in the books um if you haven't been reading astonishing x-men that's where he pops up um so xavier is probably going to be back obviously cyclops and wolverine are back um if you just look at the promotional image you got a lot of changes it looks like happening in some of the characters and there's a lot of people missing so who knows what's going to happen with uncanny x-men when the whole age of x-men wraps up but my guess is it's gonna have something to do with two groups of x-men kind of having a final say so over what their future is you know what i mean and to the extent where marvel is saying it's going to be on par of like giant size x-men 1 and Grant Morrison's new X-Men. House of M. House of M. And stuff like that. They're like really saying it's going to be like the next big, massive.
0: Defining
1: Defining, and- changing. And now they always say that stuff. They're always like, big change to the status quo of the Marvel but this Universe. this feels different. But this would be like them announcing a new Cap, like Captain America related miniseries. And being like, this is on par when he got as, like on par with the time he got shot in the head. You know what I mean? And it's like, whoa, like, that's huge. So I'm excited beyond all belief (laughs) to get that. That comes out in July. I'm also excited, and I've been pumped for this for a while. They introduced this in, they were doing the Web of Venom kind of one-shot things there for a while. They did one about Carnage. Absolute Carnage, written by Donny Cates, with art by Ryan Stegman, who, that's the team that's currently doing Venom. They're going to be doing this absolute Carnage thing, which is essentially just Cletus Cassidy and Carnage hunting down every single hero that's ever worn a symbiote so that he can consume them and make them a part of him.
0: Holy crap.
1: (laughs) It's intense. So he essentially learns in Web of Venom that the symbiotes, and we also learn it, Venom learns it at a different point in time. But basically, symbiotes leave, like, trace data of... Like, if a symbiote swaps to somebody else, they take trace DNA of their host with them. Because the whole point of them is they, like, collect this data and they're supposed to return back to Clintar and make, like, a data bank of, like, all these. So what he realizes is, hey, cool, that means symbiotes can absorb people. So I'm just going to go around doing that. And now he's hunting down, like, every single symbiote to consume it and make it, like, a part of him. And he's also going to be hunting down every person that's ever worn a symbiote because they still probably have traces of symbiote in them. And that's my, terrifying. My hope is that this isn't one of those, we've had this conversation plenty of times, kind of mini series that just ends in you know, a whimper. You know what I yeah. mean? I really want this to end with Carnage being like because Thanos is gone you know, Ultron got the crap beat out of him during Infinity War and is kind of in the wings. Um... Annihilus is off in a different dimension doing his thing, you know? <laughs> so we don't have a lot of, like, really terrifying big bads still kicking around. They're all right. kind of in this, like, middling zone.
0: Neutral Galactus
1: zone. was good and then it's bad again, but, you know.
0: Doom's just sort of off doing his own Doom
1: thing. Doom doesn't know what he wants. Um, Doom, I mean, Galactus and Doom are both interacting right now. Doom summoned Galactus to Earth so he could defeat Galactus. So that's going on. Doctor Strange is now off to get Galactus. So all these, like, big bads have become, like, just kind of regular bads in other people's comics. Yeah. Because it's like, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, like, how many times can Galactus show up and we defeat them before, as a reader, you're like, wow, Galactus is really not scary anymore. You know?
0: I mean, yeah.
1: And that's why... This is related, I promise. That's why I like what they're doing with the Hulk right now. I haven't been talking about No Road Home, which is going on, because it's a weekly, and I want to wait until it's finished. Yeah. Um, Avengers No Road Home is kind of expanding on the whole Hulk story arc from Immortal Hulk. So between those two books, they're making Hulk really freaking... What, maniacal and kind of menacing, huh. and it's not really a direction he's gone before, even when he was like world war hulking and beating the crap out of people. Um, and so Hulk might be one of those next really big bads, but I think Carnage could as well. Like, Carnage is already terrifying, people hate it when he shows up. Imagine if he gets like super powered and like massive, or heck, like they introduce this null, the like symbiote god who's, like, trapped in the center of Clintar, which is just a collection of symbiotes, essentially. What if Carnage gets there? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's
0: some bad news. What what
1: if Carnage somehow manages to, like, overcome Null and is now, like, god of the symbiotes?
0: That sounds more You
1: know, that's a big bad. That's a galactic-level big bad that you can have, that you can use everywhere for, like an unforeseeable amount of time in marvel you've just introduced like a galactus level a thanos level big bad that we honestly haven't had introduced since like the 60s and 70s you know what i mean so it's like it would be really cool to take this character that's already a cool fan favorite villain and you've got the key to make him like an oh no oh my god stop please that's my skull type character right do it. Like, go to town on it. So I hope that goes. And just to finish it up, we have a mystery title, which supposedly is supposed to be the... is gonna be the, like, culmination of all these things. So, like, War of Realms and Absolute Carnage and House of X and Powers of X are all gonna somehow tie all back into this big mystery event that's gonna happen in December. Huh. And it's supposed to be, like, huge. Now again... It could be like Civil War 3, oh, you know, no. or or something crazy like that. But um, we'll see. But it was big, big time release things um, at C2E2. So Marvel's throwing it down hard.
0: Only other news I had is that Zack Snyder needs to stop running his mouth.
1: Oh, God. Yeah,
0: he he's continuing to do so. He started his tirade. Basically, with a profanity-filled rant about how if you if if you think Batman and Superman don't kill people, which is literally like defining factors of both yeah, Batman and Superman, it's pretty much their thing. If yeah. you don't if you don't think Batman and Superman kill people, you need to grow up. Like you need to you can just like f off. Like I I don't
1: who, who hurt you, Zack Snyder. <laughs> Who hurt you, man? Like
0: I don't understand why he, when he he reads comics and absorbs comics, it's like Frank Miller or Bust. Yeah, yeah. Like every identity of comic he absorbs has to be steeped in this like well, like really dark, like the darkest timeline. Yeah. yeah. You know and what I mean?
1: He I like. If you haven't read his like what he says, it's it's rough. Because he literally, like, this is a guy who has made his career and I feel like continues to want to make his career, making movies for a specific set of people. And the whole thing is just an outward attack at that set of people. Yeah. Like it he, is. he makes virginity comments and like immaturity comments and, like,
0: naivete, naivete,
1: randomly starts talking about, like, government officials and shit, and it's just, it's so bizarre, and he's, I mean, he's all over the news right now talking, like, cut of Justice League, blah, and, like, stuff like that, but, like, I don't know, I just don't know why you would be, like, so outwardly attacking the people that you are specifically trying to build your career around. You're claiming to be, like, championing these people like I'm making movies I'm bringing your your favorite characters to the movies and
0: but then you change them
1: but then you well I mean you can change them that's fine you can make them kill that's fine but just be like yeah you know I thought it would play better on screen don't be like you guys suck f you you stupid nerds like don't yeah like,
0: well I keep getting the. I keep... go
1: drink a protein shake and hit your bow flex and move on
0: <laughs> I just I keep getting this vibe that he's like the the guy in school that all the kids are really feeling rock bands like right now like they're really feeling the rock music the hip rock and then he comes in with like <clears throat> heavy metal and people are like we don't really like that and he's like I'm too edgy for you you just don't get me and I'm like
1: I mean what's your
0: problem I don't
1: know Zach Snyder I personally haven't researched Zach Snyder a lot I don't know what his background is. I know he's been dealing with some family stuff, like really heavy family stuff over the past couple years. And, bro, I'm sorry that you have to deal with that stuff. But, yes, we have um, mass sympathy. Yeah, but I don't think he's a good director. Uh, just saying. And I... <laughs> Watchmen in 300, it's really hard to get those wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And
0: he did a cool job with the direction Granted, yeah. of them.
1: Granted, there are plenty of people that don't like... The changes made in Watchmen. And that's fine. But like. You know. They're characters that not everybody knows. They're stories that are really self-contained. So it's really hard to get those wrong. From both a visual and a story and character standpoint. standpoint. Um, But when you start getting into Batman and Superman. And Wonder Woman and Flash and Cyborg. And all these other characters. Lex Luthor. There's changes you can make. That work. I personally think the way they handled Lex Luthor is a very modernized Lex Luthor. I think it works. A lot of people didn't like it. I, I didn't think like those. It. I think those people just don't like Jesse Eisenberg. But that's a different that conversation. Just different conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> if if they had cast like Justin Timberlake playing the same character, no one would complain. Just saying. Um, but when you have changes that you make, and the fanship says. We don't like these changes. Or, hey, what was up with these changes? You can't get defensive and mad. You just stand your ground. You know? And the fact that he gets defensive and mad, in my opinion, says that he cares more about his vision than the culture.
0: Yeah. You know I what think, I mean? And I think, too, what you're trying to say is that he's he's trying to stand as a champion for the characters and a champion of the IP when he may not recognize it for what it is mm-hmm. and he may not appreciate it for what it is without his own influence. Yeah. He yeah. only appreciates it he, yeah. because he's the one who made he, it.
1: He is a fan of his Batman. Yeah. And he is a fan of his Superman. Yep. And those are the movies he wants to make. Yep. And I, I just think that's a problem in my opinion. And it it may be, it it may be me just trying to like justify just generally kind of not liking Zack Snyder's stuff. Um, but I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I feel about it. I feel like he's more concerned about just using these characters to put them on screen and doing it the way he wants, no matter what. And it shows in the fact that he gets so pissy when people are like, why'd you do this? And he went off on an attack of the fans of the things that he's claiming to be a fan of.
0: Yeah. And you know? I think, I think you know, too, that, like, I really enjoyed his directorial, you know, style in 300. I really enjoyed it in Watchmen. I was super excited when he got put on the DC stuff. That was something I was really pumped about because I thought, you know, he gets comics. He's in that. But what it feels like is that he got put on this and he got wrapped up in this because he saw himself as the comic director guy. Mm -hmm. He kind of assumed that as his identity. And so when people disagree with his vision, he sees himself as, you know, like a direct creator connection to the very soul of these IPs. When actually, dude, I mean, you didn't make them. Like you're you're an adaptation of these things, and when people don't like ad- your adaptation, you have to be okay with that.
1: Yeah, you don't have to be a hundred percent truthful. Like it's obvious, in my opinion, that the reason Superman kills Zod is because they didn't know what else to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like honestly, that's that's what it is. They didn't know how to end it, so they were like, "Uh, he uh kills him." We haven't set up the phantom zone or any sort of prison that could hold this guy we have not done that we have not shown the gun in the first act yep so we have no gun in the last act so he kills him like that's obvious that's how it was they didn't know how to wrap it up so they were like uh uh kills him so you don't have to say that you don't have to be like i'm bad at filmmaking (laughs) you know what i mean did he write that i don't know if did he write Man of Steel? Did I he don't write know. it too or just direct it? Anyway, you don't have to be like, whoever wrote the script didn't really like think about it. It may have been a production thing, too. They may have been like, hey, we don't know if we're going to be able to get this actor again, so you need to kill him. You know?
0: Well, in hell, they may not Warner have even Brothers wanted to use God in the very first yeah. one, but the producers could have been like, well. We want to sell tickets, so make it sound.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the the producers and Warner Brothers could have been like, hey, we, we can't get this guy for a sequel, so you got to kill him. Who knows? But you don't have to say that. You just calmly respect that. And this goes back to what we talked about yesterday about toxic fanship. Respect that this person is upset or even just inquisitive because they give a shit about the stuff you're making. And yep. take that as pride yep. that they enjoy what you make and they want to enjoy what you make. And the reason they have these questions is because they want to understand why it was different from their vision Yep. and just be honest and be like, I thought it played better. Are there regrets? Maybe you don't have to attack an entire market Yep. because someone disagreed with how you handled a character.
0: Yep, exactly. That's what it is. That's it. So for our last segment, we're going to do kind of swiftly, because this has been a longish episode.
1: We're going to talk about all the times that Trump said smart things. April Fool's! I couldn't, I, that was a bad setup.
0: So we're going to talk <laughs> that was, about...
1: That was really bad setup. I'm, so April Fool's is coming up. Did yeah, you know that?
0: Yeah, So So for April Fool's, <laughs> April 1st is April Fool's Day. We are going to talk about the stories and comics that we're pretty sure the editorial staff wish they could say, April Fool's just kidding, that didn't actually happen, please don't hate us, please buy our comics again. Because, fun fact, in in all of these decades of comic book writing, there's been a lot of them. Oh god, yeah. Like, a lot of them. And I'm not gonna go over the same, like... Two that I frequently bring up, you know how Carol Danvers got like impregnated by her own son or weirdness, and <laughs> how you know Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver keep having special time stuff. Those things I'm gonna leave out. These are more like plot that happened that just shouldn't, just shouldn't have happened, just shouldn't have happened.
1: Um, I'm gonna open up with a fun one. Um, it's a popular one whenever you talk about, like, weird shit that happens in comics. Action Comics 592 and 593. Namely, the story arc wherein a creature known as Sleaze... Oh, no. ...gets Superman and Big Barda to make a sex tape. What? Yep. What? Yep. He... Ew! Yeah, so he mind-controls Barda and Superman and introduces them to a uh, a adult film maker named Grossman. Shut up. <laughs> yep. And up. Uh, I believe they, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they don't actually make the sex tape. Uh-huh. I think they get out of it. Just uh, before, just before, so
0: instead of full rape, it's just like sexual assault.
1: Yeah, they like get up to the point where it's like time to make a sex tape, and then they manage to like bust out of the mind control. Yeah, cause that's yeah, yeah.
0: not consent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that happened. Oh John no. John Byrne wrote, wrote that one, I believe. Five ninety two, five ninety three. They're actually pretty common issues. <laughs> you can find them if you want. They're pretty easy to find. They're not like super expensive. So
0: I don't know what it is. But recurring themes in comics are when two people are are portrayed to have sex that just shouldn't have sex.
1: Yeah. Oh, and fun fact, the whole thing was so that Sleaze could raise enough money to get an army for Darkseid.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, Darkseid was going to use Big Bar. Oh, oh, it's even worse. Yeah, right? It's so bad. Oh, God. That is... Just so this, th- th- well, my next one actually involves apparent consent, but that doesn't mean it wasn't icky, okay? Mm-hmm. So, in Spider Man's Sin's Past, mm-hmm. um, there's an infamous storyline in which we find out that Gwen Stacy. had a very uncharacteristic affair with Norman Green Goblin Osborne. Yep. And not only did she have sex with him, she then got impregnated and had twins.
1: Twins. Who
0: then become a problem later down the road for Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why is it a plot device to make women uncharacteristically do stuff with <laughs> dudes they shouldn't be doing stuff with I don't know It's the same way how in no this isn't technically a comic this is a uh um this was a DC adaptation film adaptation of the Killing Joke They had Batman and Batgirl doing it Why? Why? Yeah. It's gross and it's creepy and it's like It's portrayed icky and like it's just stop doing that. That's not a plot device. It's like rape. It's wrong to me. And I know this could be very argumentative and I could, you know, get some heat for this. But (laughs) in my opinion, if an author is writing a character completely out of her standard behavior just to push a plot point. Or, or develop some bizarro world story and you're having her uncharacteristically have sex with someone she typically wouldn't, mm. that's basically character rape. Yep. Because it doesn't make sense. Yep. It's, a, it's offensive. Preach, girl. Writers, it's offensive. <laughs> we are beyond this. So. It's, it's just not okay.
1: Speaking of weird Spider-Man sex. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Segues are fun. Uh, Spider-Man Rain, which is a story, it's a miniseries, four issue miniseries, takes place 30 years in Spider-Man's future, and I believe has officially been listed as a separate Earth, so it's like an alternate universe Spider-Man. I have heard about this. Uh, in that, Mary Jane is dead, but appears to Spider-Man as visions. Would you like to know how she died? Oh, God. She died from poisoning of radioactivity due to Spider-Man's secret stuff.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Spider
1: Man's web fluid, if you were. <laughs> and the poisonous radioactivity with- there within over years of exposure, which good for them. Uh, <laughs> kind of
0: like how Lois gets cancer because she boinked Superman.
1: Is that a thing? Does I it, think so. Do you have sources I'm for that? I'm going
0: to find out. Don't I could just, have just made that don't up. Don't
1: just shout stories in the middle of me up. talking about a story anyway so yeah that one obviously is a uh a bizarre one that i'm sure it's gross long you know people would like to not (laughs) not have um i also want to talk about how at one point ben Grimm died and because this one's just i guess it's fun but it is kind of i feel like if i were reading comics at the time that this happened I would be really weirded out. So if you were reading comics when this happened and you were weirded out, let us know. Um, so ben Grimm dies, yeah? Okay. So after trying to get along without him, uh, Reed Richards eventually creates a thing that takes them to heaven. And through some convoluted, very weird, like, stuff, Ben eventually decides to come back with them. And when they're trying to get back, they go above heaven what? And they meet the one above all. Who oh. In Marvel, there's the one below all, which is, like, the lowest creature. And there's the one above all, which is the highest creature. And it's Jack Kirby. Oh, my God. Like, it's totally Jack Kirby. Totally supposed to be Jack Kirby. And he, like, draws them a happy ending. I I can't. <laughs> and he, like, there's a scene where he's literally, like, drawing the rocks back onto Ben Grimm. Like, Ben's standing in front of him, and he's like, oh, let me just draw these and I mean, I guess in the comic book world, God would be a comic creator, but it's just kind of, I don't know. Again, if I was reading comics at the time, I feel like I would be a little, a little weirded out by that.
0: Yeah. No, that's awkward.
1: Cause it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I get the meta, you know what I mean? But who's drawing these panels then? Is there a one above the one above all? <laughs> Is it like two Jack Kirby's stacked on top of each other? <laughs> Uh, what's going on?
0: By the way, I'm pretty sure I made up the Lois Lane super. I
1: think game. you were thinking about Mary Jane.
0: I probably was. Because well, that's what, what she died is... from
1: cancer of yeah. Spidey's... What I
0: think it is, is that there was a...
1: Spidey's spider sense.
0: There was like a discussion online about how it doesn't make sense that Mary Jane would have that happen, but not Lois when Lois like actually carries a child to term and everything.
1: But I guess soup's probably not radioactive, though.
0: You think the things that come out of his eyes have no level of radioactivity? I don't
1: know. I don't know. That's a different debate for a different day. Finally, I wanted to wrap up since I'm the only one talking. Um, with one that actually worked, though. Really? Because I remember a few years ago when I'm sitting in the comics, the comic shop. <laughs> I'm sitting in the comics. I just sit in a bathtub of comics. <laughs> On my daily basis, (laughs) it's how I read. Um, We have enough. And I heard tell of a post-apocalyptic Scooby-Doo retelling. Scooby Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. Absolutely bizarre, super crazy idea. No way it's going to work at all. And it's awesome. It is really good. It's wrapping up here pretty soon, so plenty of trade paperbacks if you want to read it. But Scooby Apocalypse is a weird like reimagining of Scooby-Doo where the gang is surrounded by literal monsters in a post-apocalyptic setting. That's There's, awesome. like, violence and gunplay and people die. And, oh like, my God. it's legit, but it's so good. And it's still Scooby-Doo in its own, like... Right, the characters are still them. Like, Shaggy's a hipster, you know? <laughs> Thelma's, like, an evil scientist. Oh, my Daphne's God. Daphne's, like, a news reporter and Fred's her cameraman. And Scooby's, oh. like, a dog with, like, a Google Glass on. <laughs> And it's it's so good. It is very worth picking up, and it absolutely fits this list of something that I'm sure people were like, "This has to be an April Fool's joke, right? Like this can't be legit." And it was legit, but it was so good.
0: Huh? It's kind of like the the horror Archie comics.
1: Yeah. Like even things like
0: Jughead, The Hunger, and stuff would be any good. But
1: yeah, it just works. So.
0: Wow! Nice. Well, that's gonna be it for us this week.
1: That is all, folks. I trademark.
0: That's already
1: patent pending. Mm, I don't that's ours, it. man. I'm the first one.
0: Um,
1: dib 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 dib. That's all, folks.
0: I have some cartoons to show you when we get done with this. I think
1: cartoons.
0: I think they're animated Car- features.
1: Cartoons.
0: They're old school. I'll show you after we get done. Okay. Don't yeah. don't worry. I'll fi- oh. I'll fill it out. Good. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Uh, if you want more Cover B, of you course can... you do. Uh, why wouldn't you? Uh, we are on Facebook and the Twitter. The Twitter. Where all the where all the kids hang the out. Twitter. Uh, <laughs> at Cover B Podcast, you can also follow Chris and mine Instagram account. Find us on
1: MySpace and read our Zonga. It is and our live cool. journals.
0: So I did have a Zonga.
1: I, I did both. have. I was always moving on to the next I didn't have night.
0: a live journal. I, my MySpace was sick, though. Yeah. Music played, and it had color schemes. Yeah, it had, like,
1: cool backgrounds and Oh, stuff, man.
0: Yeah. Mine was Yeah, dope. I was
1: always, it was pretty much for me in, like, middle school and high school, it was whenever a cute girl was like, you totally need to get on this social media. I was like, I'm there, babe. <laughs> I was really dedicated to my MySpace. Yeah, nice. Like, really dedicated anyway find us on social media um please don't find our myspace (laughs) don't don't hunt down our myspaces and zongas because you will be desperately cringed uh and we're both on instagram so check it out check out our website maybe buy some merch shoot us some emails or some facebook messages if you have ideas of stuff to talk about in the show yes um
0: comments all the comments yep So stay tuned for next week for our next episode of
1: Cover B. Bye, guys.
0: Bye.